This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 155 of the Dressage Radio Show. Welcome to the program. JJ Tate joins me in just a moment to discuss the principles of training for the competition ring versus training to improve on the art of dressage. But first, a segment brought to you from the New England Dressage Association in which we discuss with Leslie de Grand Maison just some of the things to consider when you're preparing for your first competition. Leslie, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, you have a very interesting topic for our listeners this week because it is something that everyone has to address. They all have to begin somewhere, don't they? That's correct, yes. And I'm going to talk about um, preparing for uh, your first schooling show or it could be also preparation for your first official show. I um, have attended the USDFL program and graduated um, from the program with distinction and um, judged many schooling shows um, in the New England area, mainly in New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and Vermont, and feel I, I have a good handle on how people could prepare better or enjoy more their first experiences out in the show ring. Well, it, enjoying the process is all important, isn't it? Because we have to remember we do it for fun. And there are some shows, schooling shows and environments where you can go just without any pressure just to enjoy it and uh, get a feel for what it's all about. That's correct. I have um, several students that really don't have um, a, a strong desire to compete uh, in the sanctioned shows, but like to have, you know, goals or would like to go out and just have the experience in a very low-key way of um, competing and seeing how they would do uh, if a judge uh, scored them on a test. And so oftentimes I recommend to them to go to the Ride Review Ride um, events or the Ride Critique Ride events where um, it's it's fairly casual, and usually you'll go to a, a farm, and they'll have usually an L graduate, sometimes a licensed, a USCF licensed judge there, and it's a very usually very friendly, warm environment, and you ride your test in front of the judge, and they score you, and then they discuss areas where you can improve and maybe coach you a little bit, and then you ride your test again, and the whole process takes about a half an hour. And so that's a great opportunity for people to go out and um, get some good education, and they're usually very reasonably uh, priced um, from a, a, a licensed official or an experienced um, L graduate, and also see how their horse is going to behave and how their nerves are going to behave at such an event. Yes, I mean, that's all important too, isn't it? Because mm. you never know until you're in that environment just how you're going to react. And and that, effect will, uh, that of course, will affect your horses too. That's right. We have, um, I had taken a student to an, uh, a schooling show once and she was very shocked that she felt like she was nauseous and might throw up. And it's actually a very normal feeling for anyone going into a competition, but if you've never competed before, never done anything like that before, it, it can surprise you. Um, usually what I try to do is prepare folks before they go um, by, you know, having them ride through the test and explaining a time frame you want to know how long it takes to get to wherever it is. You know, the nice thing about these events, dressage and these ride critique rides, is that they, you know exactly what time you're going to ride. So you can plan accordingly as far as giving yourself plenty of time to drive to the location, plenty of time, you know, give yourself at least an hour to park, 
get a little unpacked, get your information from the secretary, and then get your horse unloaded, and then maybe another hour to tack up and get ready to ride. Um, and then from there, you, you know, it depends on the horse, but oftentimes the first time you go, you don't know what your horse will be like, so you have to allot enough time to warm up before you go in. Right, and of course it always helps if you can go with a friend too, doesn't it? Yes, yes, I, that's very true, Chris. I recommend that people bring at least one person with them the first time they go. Even folks that seem to go out, you know, load their horse and go to the beach or go trail riding or drive to their lessons by themselves. It's a different environment when you're when there's a large group of horses or um, there's a lot going on. So I always recommend that they bring an extra set of hands to help them. And hopefully they choose somebody that's supportive and a relaxed individual themselves to help keep everybody calm and, and cool um, as they prepare for their ride. And, of course, there's that all-important part of the experience of remembering the test. And, of course, at the lower levels, you can have somebody call that test, can't you? So that's always, if you're terribly nervous, a good way to, you know, to get to grips with the whole experience. Yes, and it's, you definitely want to, if you feel like you need help in a, in a reader to, to read your test for you, you want to make sure that they know what they're doing so that they don't add additional uh, stress by reading too fast or too slow. So that's something that should be practiced ahead of time. And then I usually, you know, what I tell, recommend to students, and also what I see is that the folks that really get to the warm-up early enough and walk their horses for a nice, period, you know, at least 20 minutes so that the horses can see everything and they can relax and there's no pressure. And then they need to gear their warm-up to the horse that they have that day. So sometimes your horse might be very um, high and energetic and you may need to work the horse um, for a longer period of time or in a more relaxed way. You know, some horses you need to break more frequently to relax them and some horses you need to ride them more forward and, and energetically to get them to release their energy, but that they get enough time so that they don't feel rushed before they need to go into the arena for either the critique, I mean the ride, critique ride, or their test. I also recommend that they have the person that's helping them keep track of the schedule so that they know immediately when the test in front of them is done. They want to know when they're on deck so that the horse in front of them, they're ready to go as soon as that horse finishes, and then they take their time going around the arena. Um, you know, they have plenty of time to go around the arena to let the horse get acclimated to the, the, the judge's booth and the flowers and the letters and, and all of that. And then once the judge rings the bell and they come down the center line just to stay as relaxed and calm as possible, preparing for their movements, but remembering that, you know, mistakes will happen and that once that is the case, or if that is the case, that then you go on to the next movement, forgetting what happened. That's the wonderful thing about dressage tests is that if your horse or you have a, a problem in a movement, that movement is, is scored, and then as you move on to the next movement, you start fresh. And so it's very possible and happens quite frequently in schooling shows where somebody might get a low score because a horse spooks or bucks and then gets a high score because they've regained their composure and they're able to execute um, whatever it is in a, in a, in a, in a wonderful manner. Yeah, absolutely. All important to remember that we do it for fun as well, so you're nice and relaxed at the end of it too, not too stressed by the whole experience. Right, right. The idea is to try and enjoy it and to keep your sense of humor. And certainly maybe, and as time goes on, it does definitely get easier. So for the folks that definitely would like to compete and continue to progress up the competition ladder, the more they go to these types of events, um, the better and easier they'll get at handling all the different um, situations that might come up. Um, certainly just keeping, you know, in your mind's eye as you're coming down the center line and riding the movements, 
you know, that little voice in your head that keeps everything the same as if you were training so that you don't add any additional pressure or stress to yourself or the horse. Good advice. Well done. Well, thank you very much, Leslie. I appreciate this. I'm sure our listeners will find it helpful because so many of them are at that end of their process of getting into the sport. So I appreciate your contribution. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. It's wonderful to speak with you, Chris. Well, JJ Tate joins me now from up in Maryland, where a uh, summer base. Uh, you fled the uh, the steamy climate of Wellington for the summer season, have you, JJ? That's right, Chris. We definitely uh, got out in time, you know, before it gets a little too too hot. But uh, unfortunately, it, it gets just as hot and humid in Maryland as well. But for right now, we've got some really great spring weather, and the horses are really enjoying being out in their bigger paddocks and having real grass under their feet and being able to tear it up a little bit more. So it's been fun. You know, Florida is an amazing time and wonderful for the training and to advance the horses and compete, you know. But it's uh, it's not the best place, you know, to let the horses be horses. You know, the properties are really small and the turnouts are tiny. And we just, you know, it just feels great to go for a nice long canter out on the grass. <laughs> so we're all happy to be home. <laughs> yeah, well, the last time we spoke, of course, and you were on the show, I visited you at your training base down in Florida, which is lovely in itself, as you say, but it, it is Wellington, and there's nothing like letting horses be horses and running about in a larger space for a while, is there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and even even in our training program in Florida, you know, on Fridays we try and keep it, you know, as best we can to hack days where we just take the horses out for a nice, we've, we're really lucky where we are in Florida that there's a bunch of just gravel roads and, you know, they get to look at something different than just the dressage arena. Um, but that, you know, it can get a little exciting with the landscapers and the polo horses and mailboxes and you know, all kinds of things. Um, but it's great exposure for them in that way, but they never really get to, you know, I think they all just need a nice long canter in the, in the high grass, <laughs> you know, that just, they just love it. You know, all the horses are just so happy to have a little more free and open space. Um, you know, in Florida is, is terrific. And we, we have a nice facility with good turnout too, but um, it's just nice to have a little more wide open spaces. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, before we move on to our topic this week, JJ, tell us how things wrapped up in terms of your performances and where you were, what you were planning in Wellington this season because, of course, you had the fabulous new facility at the Global Dressage Festival to take advantage of, too. Yes, we are so excited. Um, when my sponsor, Elizabeth Glorisco Wolf, um, first bought the property, it was sort of, uh, it was a few, uh, just a couple of years ago, it was sort of like this little, you know, great little dressage little island you know, amongst all these polo um, grounds. And we're like, okay, this is really great. We love the we love the place, but you know, you know, all of a sudden the new facility ended up like seriously like five minutes from our place. So we couldn't be more thrilled <laughs> that it's that it's right there. And um, I don't know what possessed me to think that this was going to be a good idea. But right before we left, right before we moved, like 15 horses north, you know, uh, lockdown two homes and, you know, moved barns, you know, with the six people and 15 horses. I thought it would be a great idea to show <laughs> right before we were going to leave. So, um, but it worked out really great. My, my junior rider, um, Caroline uh, Adams, did super. She's now in the top 12 uh, in the country for Gladstone and the juniors. And then um, I got to show Elizabeth's horse, um, Fabergé, in another developing horse class. And he... That was 72 was awesome. So he's qualified now for the national championships in Chicago. Um, and I got a brand new horse. Uh, you know, we had a deal going um, with one of my longest clients, uh, Debbie Dalsig, um, from Canada, from Thunder Bay. Um, we found a horse. Um, actually, uh, Caroline Rosman had the horse, and she had got a hold of me, and she's like, "You've got to see this horse. You've got to come try her." And um, we went and we just loved her. And so she is, her name is Damiana and she's four. So we got a brand new uh, face on the team as well. So we're, we're really excited. We, 
came north with a lot of new and exciting things, and um, I have one of my uh, first Spanish stallions in training who I love. So that's been kind of a new fun adventure as well. So yeah, we're doing great. We're just really excited to be home and great, great group of horses. So it's fun to see my my local clients up here as well, and you know, get to see my husband. <laughs> that's, oh, that's, that's a plus sure. <laughs> too, exactly, because you had to be separated for the longest times, didn't you? Since yeah, exactly. Yeah, we kind of we keep laughing because we're like, it's kind of like we're. I mean, I know we're going to be newlyweds for like a year or whatever it lasts, but we're kind of funny because we got married in December, and then I was in Florida and he was up north at, at Scott Hassler's place. So um, we're we're like. It's a whole new experience again. <laughs> yes. Well, it'll keep the relationship fresh for eternally, I would think, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's a long distance uh, marriage. <laughs> I've heard they work. I've heard they work better that way. I don't yes, know. <laughs> so I hear. Yes. <laughs> so tell us what the plans are then for this year, JJ, with you said 15 horses that you have up there? Yeah, you know, I think uh, somewhere between 50 and 20, we sort of, um, I have a, a great group of working students um, that uh, are a bunch of young riders, so that's really fun. So hopefully we'll have a, a nice group, hopefully, you know, we've got a couple of girls that are close into the top, into the top 12, so um, we had a, we had a real, uh, it's not a terrible tragedy, but, um, you know, nobody, nobody died or anything, so, you know, it's all in relativity, but... Um, Katie Foster, my my young rider who's been riding me since she's been like 12, she has the most wonderful young rider horse in Sacramento. And on his way home from Florida on the on the transport, he went into some colic and uh, had to be. She lives in northern Wisconsin, and he had to be dropped off in southern Illinois at the university. Um, and we waited, we waited, and waited, and hopefully he was going to go through it and come through it. But he ended up needing surgery, so. It's one of our first colic surgeries in a long time on Team Tate. So um, it was really scary. And, you know, I'm heartbroken for Katie and her, her dreams this year. And it's her last year of young riders. And I think she's ranked number two in the country at the moment. So, you know, as always, the horses, uh, you know, it's a, it's a experience of reality checks and, and humbling experiences and, um, heartache and, and disappointment, but, you know, we're just so happy that George is uh, healthy. He's doing well. He came through surgery amazing. He's at home uh, doing great. So, knock on wood that there's no more bumps in that road, but, um, yeah, so that was, that was that, but hopefully we should have a good group of some other young riders going to Gladstone, and I've got a great group of young horses um, that I'm going to do uh, I've got one in the four-year-olds and one in the five-year-olds, and then uh, Fabergé and the developing horse. So, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. When do you kick off the season up there then, JJ? Uh, where are we now? And then coming into the second week in in May, do yep. you do you do you kick off fairly soon after you get back from Florida? You know, we sort of have a little downtime. I've already taught a couple clinics because you know, no rest for the wicked. <laughs> I just like kind of just hit the ground running. Um, but as far as shows, we kind of let the horses have a little downtime when, you know, we still ride them, but we just, you know, I like to get the horses out and just, you know, again, just let them sort of stretch their legs out and just kind of come down from a long, hard season and a big trip. Um, so we are not going to actually start showing until the end of May. Um, the CDI over in Allentown in New Jersey is going to be our first show, uh, up north. So. Uh, we're looking forward to that, and it's going to be, um, yeah, you know, some new experiences for some of the horses, and uh, that'll be fun. But, yeah, it's, it's, you know, Florida is amazing because you can just go to a horse show, you know, during the week, and you can go to a horse show on the weekend, and then you can show in CDI, like, you know, three times a month. It's just incredible the amount of shows. Um, so I like to just kind of, you know, I don't think it's healthy to have, a continual 12-month show season for the horses. I just think that just, you know, they don't need that. It's not healthy mentally or physically to just be pushing all the time for that. So I definitely like to come up north and let the horses just take a big exhale and, you know, uh, just get in touch with themselves again and, you know, increase a little more fun in the work and let them have a little mental mental break as well. Yes. Well, that's 
uh, segues very nicely into our topic this week, JJ, and that is about the intensity of competition and the training for competition as opposed to training to become better in the classical style of, of dressage and reinforcing the basics and that sort of thing, as opposed to riding for the judges. Because, it, yeah. it, as you say, when you're down in Florida, not, and not everyone, we should you know, also point out that not everyone gets to Florida. It, it, you're very fortunate if you do and get exposed to that level of competition and, uh, and, and the availability of shows. But, you know, a lot of people around the world listening to this will say, well, I'm just an amateur and, I, you know, I can only c- compete during the season where, wherever you are in the world. But there is still, isn't there a culture today, I think, has developed where it's become competitive in some countries more than others to, to be competing for the judges, for riding for the judges and perhaps you know, not staying as closely in touch with those basics of classical training as we could do. Yeah, yes, I definitely agree. I mean, I I think there's a, you know, for sure in America, I'm not sure about, um, you know, Europe and, and everywhere, but, you know, there's definitely a, a, a faster, you know, there's a faster, more, better, you know, there's constantly like this rat race to like have more, do more, you know, get more, you know, it's just always this like pressure and, you know, riding, especially dressage, but horses in general, you know, they just should just bring you a little bit back to, you know, taking a little more time and, and being a little more slow, maybe, and a little bit more, um, have a little more substance. You know, I, I do, you know, in some ways, I used to love, um, especially when I was in Europe, we took the winter time to absolutely just train the horses. Like, we didn't do any indoor shows. We just, like, train. And that's the moment when you ride without stirrups. And that's the moment that you teach the horse to fly and change. Like, you've got, you know you've got this safe zone of, like, five months to just get through to the next level. And I feel, you know, nowadays it's so, it's so easy to get so overexposed to horse shows that I, I really actually kind of prefer to pick a time of the year, and for me, it's sort of because of Florida, it has to be a little bit um, in the midsummer, you know, that the horses just get a little downtime. You let their bodies, you know, repair, you know, from from the, from the stress. And, and I just think in general, you know, you can never forget the real true horsemanship aspect of riding where riding around in circles and constantly being in the arena, I, I just don't think it's good for anybody. Um, you know, and I, and I think for me personally, I love to compete. You know, I, I definitely feel like I have found a balance between, um, staying classical and committed to the classical culture as well as being successful in the arena. Now I haven't ridden on the team yet, you know, but that's, that's a goal <laughs> at some point. But, um, you know, I do think for me, what I love about competing, of course, it's always fun to win and that's great. Um, but it's the personal challenge of how well am I riding, you know, and can I get that horse to do exactly what I want, exactly how I want it, exactly where I need to do it for the test. And I, I feel like it's such a terrific learning experience for myself when I go take a horse to a horse show and I, you just become closer to that horse. You just start to know them a little bit better. You, you know how they think. You know how they're going to react. You build trust. Um, and even if it's, you know, sometimes I come home learning way more. Most times I learn way more by the, by the shows that don't go very well. <laughs> you know, that it's like, wow, I have to really make sure that that's more honest in my daily work. Or, ooh, I got to really make sure I, that's my homework. You know, that the horse really, um, you know, needs to work on that bending. And when the horse is nervous at the horse show and the energy is up, Ooh, that movement right there is not reliable enough. And so for me, I love to compete for that information because you really can't recreate the, the pressure that you're going to have at the horse show. You know, I, I talk a lot with my sports psychologist, Dr. Jenny Suther, and, you know, we talk about that also for ourselves as riders. Like there's really no moment uh, that you can really truly have the exact same amount of nerve at home that you do when you're competing. So I do like to compete. I find it, you know, it, it helps me stay really sharp in my riding, 
where it's like, you know, I got to make sure that I can, I can, you know, really make this happen uh, at the moment that I need it to happen. And so it really creates a non-lazy way of riding for myself, you know, where it's like, no, I got to make sure that if a, if a judge were to walk in right now, they would give my position an eight, you know, or they would give my, is my horse walking across the diagonal on a long rein for a nine? You know, I kind of sometimes like to amp that feeling up to say, what would a judge give this right now? And for me, that, that helps make my riding sharp. But I do feel that there's, you know, and by training riding, I don't mean like you fluff around and you never, you know, make the horse do anything he doesn't want to do and it's too softy soft. You know, I mean, like real riding is about conviction and, and structure and accountability on everyone's part, you know, rider as well as horse. And so I do feel sometimes in the competition that riders can go too quick, you know, to make it happen with a little shortcut, you know, like a little pull on the rein there or a little kick, you know, to make that happen, you know, when really it's like, oh, you need to really have the thoroughness and the substance of correct training to really bring success to the arena. Do you think that from your experience, JJ, there's a distinction between the professionals and the amateurs here in their motivation and expectation and their goals? Are amateurs maybe more competition-driven to measure the success of their training rather that, you know, than, than professionals would be more focused maybe on the correctness of training? And, and is it about time that, that they have to put into the sport? Yeah, you know, Chris, I think that's a great point. You know, I mean, I, I definitely think there's, you know, in, in this, for sure in this country, with, without having a national standard of training, really with an academy or like, oh, I'm a, I'm a level... I'm a level three now, you know, and I think, you know, there is, there is pressure for amateurs because they want to somehow document or, or judge like, where am I, you know, and, and, you know, and I'm sure there are spouses that are like, Hey, like, what are we putting all our money at this for? Like, Hey, you know, I mean, I know, I know some of my students get pressure. Oh, I didn't have a great ride at the horse show. And now, Oh God, I got to go home and face my husband. who's going to be like, you're depressed and, and upset about this horse. You're like, why are you doing this? And it's like, oh boy, <laughs> that's that's not a good conversation. Right. Um, but I definitely feel that, you know, it's it's a, it is a way to gauge how you're doing for sure. But I I really, you know, want to be careful, and I tell my students this all the time. Um, you've got to trust your system, and you've got to trust your trainer, and. You know, the trainers have to be held accountable to, of course, you know, teach the correct way of riding. But it's also, you know, I think a big mistake when, you know, you're like, oh, who, who am I? Who am I showing in front of this weekend? Oh, it's so and so. Oh, she really likes to pull, you know, really high, you know, and the nose out, and she never, you know, she's really going to mark me down if I put the horse, you know, um, not with the nose out, you know. And then, well, maybe for that horse that's not the best way uh, to make sure that he's super through over the back and connected to the bridle. Um, you know, or this, or a lot of times like, Oh, this, this judge likes him to go really forward. And it's like, yeah, then maybe you throw the horse off balance. So I, I really shy away from um, having the, my riders sort of put the judge's perspective in there. You know I mean? I definitely, watch the test with my students on the video and we go over the test sheets and we know, you know, hey, I know the judge on the gate that is fixed, but for us, where that's been, that's a huge improvement because that used to be a big explosion or, you know, he used to really, you know, kick at my leg at that moment or something. So that for us was a success, even though to the judge was like, oh, that's not great, that's a six, you know. So they, they have to really know in their own selves what's positive, what's improved, and, and to really ride for their horse, like to always know, you know, uh, it could be any, it could be Santa Claus sitting in that judge's booth, you know what I mean? But they need to ride for their horse and for their own personal goals um, for that test. And I, I really try and keep my students keeping it all in perspective and, and not just changing with the wind of like, oh, so-and-so is going to be sitting at sea, I better like really go forward. And it's like, oh, now the horse doesn't know 
what's happening because now this is completely different from how we've been working, you know, or how the horse needs to find his own rhythm, maybe a little bit with less tempo, you know. So I, I really try and help my riders just stay focused on what their personal goals are for that, for that test or that show. Yes, to stay within their own barometer and not to be riding for the judges, as you say, which change every every show yeah, and, exactly. and different different requirement, different tastes, different requirements, and you could be fluctuating your training all over the place just to ride right, for the if judges. Right, you were to follow that. Yes, exactly, exactly. If you're like, oh, I got to read the, t- I got to, you know, um, you know, and there's there's judges that I love, and I will really. You know, maybe even talk to them after the show is over about like, oh, did you see that? What did you think about that? What do you think about this horse? You know, or whatever. Um, but absolutely, like you would just be completely lost if you every time you got comments on the test, and you know, that's one moment of time. And yes, it's great feedback. Um, but again, like maybe that horse was really great for him. You know, I mean, I don't know about anybody else out there, but. I certainly had every kind of disaster happen in the arena, as you can imagine. Like, I've even been bucked off in the show ring, you know? And it's like, so the next test on that particular horse, it was like, we finished, and I'm on, and we stayed in the arena like it's a big success. Like, oh, it's not a great score. And, oh, yes, I, I maybe rode him a little slower than I should have, but, you know, I, I got dumped in the last test, so I don't, you know, I just need to go through this right now. I mean, that's an extreme uh, example of it, but... You know, you've got to really stay true to what you know, what you're working on personally, where your horse is at, and to always just be true, you know, to him for sure. True to him and true to yourself, yeah, as you say, you know, come away from that show, not necessarily gauging that performance on the color of the ribbon or not. What you're taking away within your own training system, and if you're an amateur, I think it's important, particularly important, to listen to your trainer, for your trainer to say, well, I know the judges said this, but in terms of this horse's right. overall performance, where we've, what we've done in the last three, six, 12 months, whatever, this is progress. This, yes. he, this was and progress in, be- the, in the trot work or the canter work or the walk. Yes. Yeah. Any any one detail, and that's what you have to build on, and staying true to those classical principles. Yes, absolutely. You know, and it can be it can be difficult. I mean, um, for me personally, showing young horses. I mean, young horses are like growing, and then maybe if they're even not physically growing, they're growing in the training. You know, so mm. and, and sometimes with my with my amateurs, like they're so like ready. I really want to go show, and I and I. I do encourage that. I feel it's a great experience and you learn a lot about yourself as a person, you know, as a rider, as a trainer, because if you're on that horse, you are the trainer at that moment, you know. So I do feel like it's a great learning experience, but, you know, so often it can, you know, if you get too eager to go show, the horse may be sort of in a dip, you know, in his training and it may not be the right time, you know, to really, you know, go get it, you know. But in another way, I, for sure, uh, don't wait till it's perfect because, you know what, perfect is we seek perfection. You know, it never it never happens and everything is just right, you know. I mean, that's also something that, um, you know, you got to be in a good enough place and comfortable with everything in the test, 100% be schooling a level above so that your horse and you are both comfortable with everything that you're able to do in the test. Um, and that he's strong enough to be schooling, you know, the level above so that nothing in the test is sort of over anyone's head, you know, that because you are going to get nervous, the horse is going to be excited, you know, excuse me, certain things, you know, come up. So it's good to be also really, really comfortable with the movements as well. Absolutely. And to that segment that we ran earlier um, in the show, JJ, about preparation for your first show, it isn't so much about how competition ready you are, but how training ready you are. Yes, I tell my students all the time, I say, we've got to make sure that every stone has been unturned. We know, we know that the horse is 100% through um, really obedient to our aids and really uh, the training has been really thorough and really full of substance so that when we take the horse off the property, you're going to lose 30% of what you have at home in your home arena in a, on a normal day, 
you go to the horror show and you take off the trailer a fire beating dragon and you realize, oh my God, who are you? Like, this is not the horse I just rode Wednesday night, you know, after work. <laughs> I don't even know you right now. Who are you? You know, and they passage around, you know, snoring and you're like, oh my Lord, what's going to happen? You know, that the energy is up at a horse show, you know, so those things um, have to be so taken care of at home that you know you can put the horse in a situation where he's going to be a little nervous and a little insecure and the energy is going to be up and you'll still be able to get those things in the past or you'll still be able to ask the same questions of the horse that you do at home. And I, you know, a lot of times my students would be like, he's so perfect at home. And then I took him to the horse show and he was a lunatic and he was like, like wild, you know? And I'm like, well, that just tells you that there's something that is happening at home that you need to really look into and, and, and self discover where that tiny little miscommunication or that tiny little hole, you know, rears its ugly head at the horse show. That same concept is happening at home, but so often we don't notice it because we're just at home and the horse is comfortable and, you know, uh, it's not going to come up till the energy is really high. And so I, I really like to help my riders find those things. And sometimes you find that anyway. You go to the first horse show of the season and you're like, whoa, okay, you know, he's still not enough in front of my leg or something. So I got to go home and I got to really pay attention that that I take care of that at home, that the horse is without a doubt answering that particular question in a great way. Because I know when I go off property or I go to the horse show, that's going to, it's going to show up, you know? So those are important things uh, to take care of as well. And in terms of preparation, of course, when you get to a, a show environment or at least off the property, that is an opportunity for you to go as many times as you can as, with a young horse, with a new horse, and make sure that y you've got him in the right mindset before training That's begins nice. and before you get to a competition and, and then everything can um, you know, be unpacked, in, not in the way you were expecting. So there's lots of opportunities there to prepare for the competition by by just taking him out, putting him on the trailer, taking him to a new, whatever you know. In every, I think that should be encouraged, and and I think the a other a lot more than it is. Yes. I agree, a hundred percent, hundred and fifty percent. I mean, I don't think people. I mean, I've got um, a lot of clients now that trailer in for lessons, which I think is great. But you know, even for me, like I am going to trailer over to Scotts. Uh, next door and be like, hey, can I just like ride this horse over on this property? Because I got a horse show coming up and the horse is new to me. And I do think that there is also something very, very deeply rooted in the horse, horse as a species of like herd, you know, just the whole concept of being part of a herd. And I think going in a trailer either by themselves or something, I think that's a really high level of anxiety that's so deeply entrenched in their DNA that they can't help themselves sometimes because, and I do think the relationship significantly grows when you take the horse off property and then you come back to the home group and you go off property and then you come back to the home group. Like I think that the horse just becomes more and more comfortable with it when they know, okay, we, you know, this is not my new home. You know, they don't know it's a horse show. They just got on the trailer because they listen to you. They got on the trailer, and then they're at this new place, and they don't know, like, is this my new forever home, or, like, do we live here in this tent stall, or I can't I can't see anything out. I'm kind of nervous, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think every time the horse goes away and comes home with you, not only do they connect better with you as their person and as part of their herd, and they get um, really relaxed from that, I do think it's important for them to know, yeah, hey, get on the trailer, we go ride, maybe we stay a couple of days, and then we come home. And then we're all together in our little group again. You know, I, mean, I think that that's, I swear to God, my horses that go to Florida and um, we, we trailer them all in one big semi, you know, or two semis, but they, they know everyone on the trailer is part of their group, you know. And then I'm the crazy mad woman, and I have to drive my small trailer with all the equipment behind the semi because I'm crazy. Um, so that I'm there at every, you know, water stop and that they see mm -hmm. me and they're like, oh, who, mm -hmm. okay, we're all, we're all here. Every, all my people are here and all my horse friends are here and 
they get off the trailer way more mature, you know, from that trip because they're like, I, I did that. But I had my friends and I had my people and they just, you can see them sort of grow up from that. So I do think we have to keep that in mind for the horse. And I cannot encourage enough to go put your horse on the trailer, go even if it's five minutes down the street, it's an experience. And that creates trust. If it's a horse trusts you and uh, you learn things about having to be at the horse show, <laughs> which is also good. Um, you learn things that, okay, I'm going to do this two weeks before my first horse show, and i got two weeks now to sort of sort that out, you know, before before the big, the real show. Yeah, I just can't encourage that enough. I love that. Yes, absolutely. Very reassuring for them. And the other thing I think we must never lose sight of why we all do this we do it for fun and if you get yes. so stressed with that horse wherever you're going you know whether you're going training whether you're going to a different training establishment a new horse a different horse you know riding with other people that maybe you're not used to and you feel self-conscious yes. about riding in public and there are so many components to this aren't there but I think at the end of the day if you've got a spouse at home waiting for you you need to remind them that you're doing this for fun and you may not not always bring home a wet ribbon, uh, but, yes. but you will have satisfied yourself in that journey with the training as that being as good as it can be and just consolidating every time. Um, you Absolutely. Know, what, why do we do it if we don't do it for fun? <laughs> I, I say that all the time. I agree. You know, at the end of the day, if it's not any fun, uh, you know, and, and I always say also like one of my main um, sayings that I always have in my head for for even just teaching clinics and, and riding all day long and it's like I think you always have to keep in mind that you love horses and like that's mm. why we want to do this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I love like I love horses. I want to help educate their riders so that they're ridden more peacefully and, and better. And um, I love horses and I and I love the challenge of being able to you know, really have that harmonious moment, you know, that the clouds part and the sunbeam comes down and, like, all the world makes sense for a moment and then you're, you're left, you know, looking for that moment again, you know, um, constantly. And I, and I do think, you know, if you, if you struggle with, um, you know, riding with fear of riding in front of people or the anxiety of taking the horse off property, like, those are things to just slowly take a small bite, you know, of it one at a time. You know, okay, I'm going to go ride. I'm going to uh, invite my husband out and, you know, some friends. I'm going to ride in front of them. You know, do do that. That's part of my anxiety of the horse show is that. And then um, I'm afraid, a little bit nervous about going off property with my horse. I want to practice that piece of it, you know. And then, oh, I'm going to ride in the ring. You know, the warm-up ring is where most things are won and lost <laughs> because if you're not used to riding with other people, the warm-up ring is like, holy crap. You know, it's like overwhelming. You know, there's horses going everywhere and you can't steer. And then the more you try and stay out of people's way, the more you're in their way and it's just like halting and you just can't find your rhythm and your harmony because you're just interrupted every second. And then, you know, the car is driving and then the baby carriage and then you're like, ah, you know, and then you're completely not focused at all. And, um, you know, that ride with lots of people, you know, just go to another barn during the busy time, like go and just sort yourself out and learn to look up and learn to steer. And, you know, those are all small things that when you lump them all together at the horse show, that might be, you know, uh, more of the problem than the actual getting down the center line to do the test, you know, that, you know, that's hard enough to do. Um, to step by step start to expose yourself to those things uh, that will cause the anxiety and bite one off a small piece at a time, you know, and then before you know it, uh, you won't have any anxiety about riding in a group or, you know, taking your horse off property because experience develops relaxation. You know, the more times you've, You've been there, done that, I survived that, that was no problem. Ooh, that made me nervous, but I made it through. You know, I mean, half of the reason why I'm comfortable in the show ring is because there's been a lot of not great things that have happened in there, and you just kind of get over it, you know. Mm -hmm. But for a long time, you just want to ride it perfect, and then, you know, oop, what's the worst-case scenario? Well, the worst-case scenario is I forget my test or whatever. Or the worst-case scenario uh, is... 
uh, we don't get the lead change right there. You know what? And the, and the sun still comes up the next day if it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Yes. So that's also great to just sort of take the pressure off yourself and, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It's five minutes of your life. Do as much as you can to prepare for the moment mentally, uh, physically, with the, you know, and then, you know, go for it. Absolutely. Wonderful advice. Well, JJ, I think we've helped a lot of people. Well, I hope we've helped a lot of people review their beginning of the season, you know, and how they they approach it, both mentally, uh, you know, psychologically and and emotionally, too. So I want to thank you very much for that. And I'm not going to let you go without a big congratulations on your jockey, Alison Springer and Arthur yes. at the Rolex Kentucky Three Day oh event. Oh my God! Oh, we we just were at a party celebrating um, the other night down in Middleburg, and it was it was just so so wonderful. Oh, and it's just we just couldn't be happier. And you know she's she's been just so close and yet so far so many times. And both of them, both Allison and Arthur, are just world class. Both of them, so talented, you know, just wonderful, wonderful athletes. And I just was so excited that she had done so well. And then, um, you know, it's just been a heartbreak. You know, last year we were crying because the uh, third fence from home on the cross country, she took a tumble and, you know, it, it just it just kept eluding them over and over again. So close and then like, ah, slip the grips. Um, so we're just so thrilled that um, they finally just had a wonderful result that they that they both deserve so much. So we just couldn't be happier. They certainly did. And for those of you who uh, missed that and don't follow the sport of eventing, JJ is in fact uh, Alison Springer's dressage trainer. And Alison was second at the Rolex Kentucky Three Day Event. She became the U.S. Equestrian Federation's national four-star champion and winning a, a year and a half's lease on a nice Range Rover as well as all the <laughs> other spoils as well. And uh, Alison is my guest on the Eventing Radio Show this week, so you can hear her account of her her preparation and her success this year. And JJ, she credited you too. So um, it. Uh- Perfect week. We've got you on one show and Alison on the other. How's that? (laughs) That's wonderful. That's wonderful. (laughs) We couldn't be happier. It's great when it's great, you know, when all the hard work and uh, the dreams come true and hard work pays off, and it's great. It certainly is. Well, we'll be following them with interest, of course, as this season unfolds, getting ready for the selection, final selection for the Olympic Games. So good luck to them and uh, also the dressage team. They'll, they'll be all the hopefuls will be heading to Gladstone and you'll be there with young riders, did you say, JJ? Yep, yep. We hopefully, uh, the comp- uh, we're still getting qualified, but uh, right now we've got a few, uh, one junior and, and a couple of young riders. So hopefully... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be seeing you there. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, JJ, well, great to catch up with you. Um, I hope you enjoy the sort of transition into cooler climbs before the heat and humidity of the summer set in. Yeah. Do you get a bit of a break at all? Will you have a, a, a vacation? Do you, do you know what that means? I mean, it, you, honeymoon was one thing. Did you ever get your honeymoon, by the way? No. You didn't? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, we did spend a few days um, with our families because we had a little bit of a destination wedding. Um, it was still drivable distance. Like, that was part of the prerequisite that it needed to be drivable distance from the barn. Um, so it was, like, two hours from my Wellington barn down in the Keys, um, maybe three hours. But um, So we spent a couple days with our family there because um, Richard's uh, obviously from Sweden, so his family flew over, and my family uh, is all in Wisconsin, so everyone flew down. And so I got to spend a couple of days, um, but I was not in the barn. <laughs> but uh, we do have um, a trip uh, planned to Sweden this summer for um, um, maybe, I think, six days or so to celebrate with his uh, extended family that wasn't able to come uh, over to the wedding ceremony. We're going to have a little party in Sweden, so that will be exciting. Very nice, something to look forward to. Well, JJ, thanks so much for joining me this week. Always great to catch up with you and for your very helpful advice. And uh, we'll see you again back on the show here in a few weeks, I hope. Terrific. Thank you so much, Chris. I always enjoy it. And finally, some news from the New England Dressage Association. Their annual spring show in Marshfield, Massachusetts, will be taking place this weekend, May the 12th through 13th, with a record number of entries being showcased throughout the weekend. 
Spectators will have a lot to look forward to, as for the first time ever, Nida will be playing host to a musical freestyle quadrille on the Saturday night of the show. There will also be a number of other freestyles at all levels throughout the weekend. To add to the excitement, there will be a whole host of riders trying to get their scores to qualify for the North American Junior and Young Rider Championships. In addition, juniors trying for the pony team, riders going for the Brentina Cup, and activity in the other national qualifying tests will be taking place. Competitors should be on the lookout for amazing prizes donated by EQ Bling, Horse Hugger, and Back on Track. Also, Draper Therapies will be handing out their Best Foot Forward Awards for riders with a positive attitude. For more information on the show and other upcoming events, please visit nida.org. That's N-E-D-A dot O-R-G. And that's our show for this week. I want to thank my friend JJ Tate for joining us again here to give you some, I hope, valuable advice. And also to the New England Dressage Association for sponsoring their segment. All of our show notes and links can be found at dressageradio.com. And of course, if you have any comments, questions and suggestions, then you can leave them on our Facebook fan page or you can reach me here at chris at horseradionetwork.com. I will be back at the same time, same place next week. So until then, thank you all for listening. (music) 